You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 36, verses 1 through 4, Elihu claims to speak for God. There's probably a good reason why the older men spoke first. While they were wrong in many of their conclusions, they didn't come across as arrogant and self-important as Elihu does. He asks them to bear with him a little longer because he plans to show them that there is more to be said on God's behalf. Unless you're a prophet, it's a dangerous thing to claim to speak for God. He even makes the outrageous claim that not only are his words not false, but one who has perfect knowledge is with you. He may have thought to add credibility to his words, but I'm sure some eyebrows rose at that statement. Verses 5 through 12, Elihu explains his worldview. Although he intended not to repeat the arguments of the other three men, he can't help but descend into a merit-based worldview that is quite simplistic. If wicked people who are being afflicted to humble them, like you, Job, will just listen to correction, repent, obey and serve God, then they will spend their days in prosperity and contentment. But if they don't listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. He maintains that God doesn't take his eyes off the righteous, but enthrones and exalts them. He gives justice to the oppressed. His purpose in affliction is to tell them what they've done, that they have sinned arrogantly and defiantly, so that they'll repent. Verses 13 through 15 different responses to affliction. Elihu describes two different responses to afflictions brought into a life by God. First, there's the godless hypocrite. When they are afflicted, they harbor resentment in their hearts. Even when they are bound by God in chains, they will not cry out to him for help. So they die young in appalling and degrading circumstances. Here he describes them being found among male prostitutes in shrines. What was he implying about Job? By contrast, God delivers those who suffer and speaks to them in their affliction. This means their ears have been opened to understand what God has been trying to teach them through it. Which one are you, Job? Verses 16 through 21, Elihu thinks he knows which one describes Job. He doesn't wait for an answer. He thinks he knows. First he tells Job he could be in a spacious place free from restrictions, in front of a comfortable table filled with rich foods, away from dire distress. God was wooing him away from it, but instead Job's table is filled with judgment due to the wicked. Then he warns Job not to be enticed by riches or turned aside by a bribe. Was he not listening when Job said he didn't trust in his riches and never took a bribe? He tells Job not to presume that his wealth or effort would sustain him or take away his distress. Then he says something especially cruel. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. Does he really think Job enjoys affliction or evil? Verses 22 to 32, The Greatness of God. Elihu encourages Job to stop complaining and questioning God and meditate on his glory. Even if we have a personal relationship with God, There is a sense that his greatness is beyond our comprehension, and we must recognize that. 
He speaks of God's power and that no one teaches like him. No one can direct him or challenge him when he acts. We see this in Romans 11:34-36. Elihu tells Job to praise God's work excessively, as many have done in song. There is something about songs of praise that lift you out of your circumstances. He says all of humanity has seen the greatness of God. He is beyond our understanding. He is eternal. Elihu says the number of his years is past finding out. He is infinite and incomprehensible, and yet he has chosen to reveal himself to our finite minds. Then he gives some examples of the wisdom of God, describing the water cycle, which we mentioned in more detail in chapter 14. Here he speaks of evaporation, condensation, precipitation, thunder and lightning. And these are given to mankind as an act of common grace. Verses 31 to 33, God's providence. Elihu links God's provision of rain with his governing of the nations and his means of supplying food to the world. People take these things for granted until there is no rain or the crops fail. Then they cry out to God because they know he is the one who controls all these processes. He describes figuratively how God fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike its mark. No doubt the myths of Thor, Baal, or Zeus came from images like this. He says by these he judges the people or gives food to people. So a storm can be for good or bad depending on how God intends it. Elihu even describes how thunder announces a coming storm. Meteorologists say, when you hear thunder, get under. Unlike animals who don't understand these things, we should praise God for revealing these things to us. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? Elihu describes rain as a blessing from God, and this is common grace. Jesus says God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And Paul said, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Elihu says the righteous will be enthroned, and that describes believers. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 37. May God bless the study of his word.